Welcome to the Melrose Place cast. My name is Tej. I'm a Melrose Place super fan going back decades, and I'm here to convince my friend Mary that this show counts as high art for the generations worthy of literary praise. And I'm Mary, and I'm here to convince my friend Tej that it's a trashy soap opera, and that's okay. Join us on our very, very long journey from season one, episode one, pilot, to season seven, episode 35, Asses to Ashes. Oh, good news, Mary. There's the reboot season that we get to watch as well. What? And Models Inc., the spinoff. There's a spinoff. And we should probably review Beverly Hills 90210 when that's all done. Wasn't that on before this? Why would we do. Hello, and welcome to the Melrose Place cast. This week, we're talking about season one, episode 28. Pushing boundaries. Mm. This is Mary. I'm going to talk about why the show is trashy trash. And I am Teej, and I am analyzing this as high art for the generations. And Mary, this is a week for me. Oh, boy. (laughs) You know what? A lot went on. I appreciate that. There's a lot of activity. Yeah. Can I tell you? Can I just give you a little sneak preview of my three points? Yeah. Yeah. I've titled them all again. Oh, good. This time using direct quotes from the show. Oh, even better. Okay. They are. What happens when you're married? Oh, jeez. This is a recurring theme with me, right? <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> There's uh He does now. Oh. All right. And finally, you don't mind if I smoke, do you? <laughs> that was a little blast from the past. <laughs> it, it was. God. All right. Well, do you, do you want to get us started by telling me I'm wrong about everything? Uh, no, that's how I'll finish up. But <laughs> I will start with a high art point. And, I, you know, again, I just have to notice my heart, high art points aren't Amanda Woodward, any of the three of them. And it's making me wonder if maybe she's a soap opera character. Oh, you think? You think? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm going to start with the easiest one. Uh, you don't mind if I smoke, do you? <laughs> So here's what happened here. This is, you know, like the the lowest level plot of the of the episode. And it has to do Matt and Rhonda are out at um oh what's the name of that bar, Mary? Um Oh gosh, where were they? Oh boy. I don't know. Oh. Let's just call it let's just let's just call it shooters. It looked like shooters, but nobody was uh drinking chocolate milk with a sippy straw. I thought you were going to just take the S off and call it Hooters. No. Where I thought that was going. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, so Matt and Rhonda are, are at shooters, and Rhonda is noticing that a, a gentleman caller keeps glancing over, and she assumes that the guy is checking her out. And she says to Matt, "You know, it's just like it now that I'm not available. The guys just come wandering or wandering. They can. It's like they can smell that I'm single." And the guy does come up to the table, and it turns out he is actually hitting on Matholomew, <laughs> and. Matt did have an enjoyable moment where he said, tell me again, Rhonda, about that smell of single or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That was cute. I enjoyed that. It it was cute. And I especially appreciated Vanessa Williams did such a great job, I thought, as it became clear that the guy was hitting on Matt. Rhonda turned her focus directly to Matt and just the knowing smile, the like (laughs) a little bit of live vicariously through you and a little bit of like, this is your moment. Um, it was cute. It was a good friendship moment. She played that well. So 
Matt goes out on a date with this guy. We learned that he was actually a lawyer at the law firm, which is how the guy knew Matt was gay and could just walk up and approach him. Um, that that was not an okay, safe thing to do in the early 90s. Although, although they are in West Hollywood. That's true. But yeah, I think you have a point, though. I think that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you certainly would need some signal before you just walk up and are like, so we're going to go to dinner. I'm really into you. Anyway. <laughs> So they go, we learned that this guy's a lawyer. Oh, what? I did enjoy that when, uh, what was the guy's name? Scott? That was his name. Uh, I did like the little moment where Scott handed Matt his business card. And Matt's like, I don't need an attorney. <laughs> yes. Before it became clear, he was sitting yeah. on Matt. Well, yeah. Apparently Matt didn't even realize that he was getting a signal. <laughs> well, and also, you know, just for the record, I don't believe when you're giving someone your their phone your phone number that you lead with your business card and say call me at the office. Oh, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry. So they they go out to dinner and it starts off just on a bad note because the guy's like plainly, you don't mind if I smoke, do you? Like cigarette already in his mouth. Yeah. And it was it was a flashback of like, oh yeah, we used to just do that right in restaurants and think, oh, it's the non-smoking section, so it's okay. <laughs> You know, um, but it's clear that these two just have nothing in common. I wrote down uh, that Matt's boyfriend is an evil lawyer and just wants money. <laughs> right. And he, he tells Matt he should take a social work practice out to Beverly Hills because <laughs> those kids got problems and uh, he'd make a killing. And it, it's just clear they're they're not they're not a match. Scott is pro toxic spills. I mean, I think that's all you need to know. He's pro equipment malfunctions and toxic spills. <laughs> yeah, that was a cute, was a cute moment. He said he was involved in the case with the toxic oil spill or whatever. <laughs> and uh, Matt said, "Oh, did you get him?" And he said, "No, I defended him." <laughs> <laughs> but they paid a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, Matt meets up with Rhonda after the date. I perceived it was the next day. I don't know. Uh, there was a little bit of a callback where Matt said, were you just sitting up waiting? And it reminded me, Rhonda was initially cast as like the the nosy neighbor that was always peeking out the window and spying, not spying, but just watching everybody, <laughs> the one who always knew. Um, so I, I like that on her way out, they gave her that character beat back. Yeah, yeah. But here's the high art point. These two have nothing in common. They're not a match. Under no circumstances would anybody say they should be together. But the way it was in the 90s, Mary, <laughs> because, well, there were still just as many gay people then as there are now. There were very few out gay people and the out gay people were not out to as many people. So any random person knew far fewer gay people than they do now. And women like Rhonda, the second she knew about a second gay man, will be like, oh, my God, you should meet my friend, Matt. He is perfect for you. And. Listen, I've been on the receiving end of that. And why are we a match? And you could ask that question. And the answer genuinely would be like, he's gay too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah. So that was my high art point. Just the like, look, they're incompatible, but they're both gay. So that should be enough. <laughs> I Yeah, I like that little scene. I it seemed true to who their characters would be. I really genuinely think Rhonda, like she said, she just wants him to be happy. And so what she's trying to do, I do believe from a genuine place is she's trying to encourage him. Like, yeah, here's a guy, go out with this guy. You want to go out with a guy, go out with this guy. This guy's right here right now. And that's totally valid in saying, I don't want to just go with the first hot guy that walks past. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have things I want to 
I want to the person I'm with. And they're, I thought it was resolved nicely. I thought it was resolved in a, a way that people would actually resolve it if you were friends with someone. And Matt, I think, was, he seemed genuinely irritated, which was fair, <laughs> I think, yeah. given the circumstances. But I think they, I appreciated that they came to an understanding and they kind of got where the other was coming from. And it was cute. It was just a cute little story arc. I'm glad he got to do something. I'm glad Rhonda got to too. There, there was an exchange. Rhonda said be, before Matt really shut it down and said, "I don't like this guy." Rhonda was like, "So did you sleep with him?" And Matt got offended, and I was like, "You sister, you need to calm down." Sister being Matt, not Rhonda. You need to calm down. That's a reasonable question, and don't act like it's outside of your personal moral high ground. Shut up. Well, yeah, no, that is my yeah. favorite little exchanges. I think we we remember watching this years ago and laughing at this. Because he says something, what does he say? He says, like, when have I ever slept with someone on the first date? And she replies, when have you even had a date? (laughs) (laughs) Never on screen. (laughs) It is something, if you were, like, teasing your friends, that's totally something people would say. So, yeah, I I like that. I thought it was cute. Can we take just a 90-second detour on this? Because this is reminding me of some of the coded language they had to do with gay people back then on, on television. Yeah. Because, you know, I listened to the other Melrose Place podcasts and our friends, Nan and Christopher, they did the whole second half of season one all together. So I've not been able to hear what they think of these episodes yet. Oh, OK. Because I, I only listen to it after we've recorded ours. So I'm not accidentally stealing. I'm, I'm very on the up and up with Melrose Place. You don't want to plagiarize anyone's Melrose Place thought. No, ma'am. <laughs> other than the title. Other than the title of the of the podcast. But. The other two, so so Nan and Christopher certainly have a, a queer sensibility about them, but the other two do not. One of them is a, a male and female married couple, and the other is um, two female friends, and I believe they're both um, married or involved with men, I believe. But if you remember last episode, Matt said he had a lover once who had AIDS, and he didn't call him. Oh, yeah. And I just this week listened to that episode of everybody of the other two podcasts and they both interpreted it as like a a serious kind of boyfriend of sorts that he just cut off and stopped talking to that was like no that was a one night stand (laughs) but but they couldn't say that because they had to to allow gay characters on tv they had to be more moralistic not less moralistic than the average character um but i'm excited to see what nan and chris hear what nan and christopher thought yeah that would be fun (laughs) yeah Okay, that was my point, Mary. Oh, well, well done. You don't mind? You don't mind if I smoke, do you? I mean, I do, but we're not recording in the same place, so I can't stop you. Anyway, <laughs> I have a point. <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, mine is actually mine is titled as well. It's called "Kimberly's Feeling Very Naughty, Very Sexy, and Very Free, Like a Butterfly?" Question <laughs> mark. So there's a fun little scene uh, where Michael and Kimberly are going into the break room and they've apparently just left some sort of surgery. And Kimberly is sort of playfully scolding Michael. She's like, well, people get attached to their tattoos. And he goes, it's an emergency appendectomy. And she goes, well, yeah, but you got the A out of his girlfriend's name. (laughs) And they're flirting and laughing. And he kind of goes about getting, you know, he's changing out of his scrubs or something. And she's kind of pausing and smiling to herself. And she goes, I have a tattoo. And he goes, no, you don't. She goes, yeah, I do. And he says, no, you don't. And she goes, somewhere you'd never expect. And he starts guessing. He goes, on your shoulder? And she's like, no. And she pulls her scrub off her shoulder. You can see her bra strap. And he's like a little titillated. He goes, well, on your ankle? 
And she kicks her leg up and pulls her pant leg back. She goes, I guess not. And then he comes back to Michael and he goes, mm, on your, and clearly he's going to like say your butt or something like that. But she cuts him off. She's like, it's somewhere between my shoulder and my ankle, which for the record is almost everything on your body. So that doesn't narrow it down. Uh, Michael, though, replies, that's all my favorite places. Yes, <laughs> it's very funny. And he goes, well, what is it? Is it like a rose or somebody's name? And Kimberly smiles. She goes, a butterfly. And I'm like, oh, oh, boy, Kimberly. Okay. And he goes, really? And she goes, I had it applied when I was in the midst of a torrid affair in medical school. I guess I was feeling very naughty. She said naughty very enunciatedly, too. I enjoyed that. Uh, very sexy and very free. Unfortunately, Dr. Hedick doesn't find it quite so alluring, who is apparently a dermatologist, which we find out in the next line, because he says, well, that's what you get for dating a dermatology resident. And they in unison say, love is only skin deep, and they giggle. And as she leaves the room, he calls up behind her, your left cheek, meaning on her butt, and she turns around and says, you're getting warmer. And then there's this funny little sassy music that sounds like it's from between scenes on Designing Women, because it sounds like... I don't know. It was very odd and it made me laugh. And uh, I just thought this was a very fun, dopey little soap opera scene. Uh, I think they both played it well. I thought Marcia Cross did a good job. Uh, sort of, You can see she's awakening to these feelings she has for Michael. I thought he did a good job uh, looking titillated, but also like he knows he's kind of dancing up to the line, uh, which is a skill that will serve that character very well <laughs> going forward on the show. I only wish he had taken more guesses at what the tattoo was because a butterfly is kind of lame. Like, why wasn't it a Tweety Bird or a Tasmanian Devil or like one of those Chinese characters that people get and they don't know what they mean? Was it? It, it could have been a tramp stamp. Did they have tramp stamps in the 90s? I don't know. But So do you think Kimberly, the character, actually does have a tattoo or was she just being playful? I think she does. I think she does. I could see her having done that, like, in the heat of a moment. Because, like, as, as we will learn with Kimberly, she runs hot sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I could see her in the moment going, like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Why not? What do you think? I don't think she no. does. I don't think so. I think that was all. She just got the, the moment in the moment that that mischievous look on her face was. Uh, you know, essentially to get Michael thinking about every area of her body. Well, I guess I just believe all women, so I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I do, but I... <laughs> that 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 just that just came out of nowhere. Uh, I guess we'll never know because I don't think we ever get to see her butt or anything. I, I don't know. <laughs> you, you right. me, so I don't know. You, you've uh, knocked the wind out of me just with the believe all women <laughs> comment. Uh, like the flap of a butterfly's wing. A butterfly that's tattooed on Tiffany's butt. That's Tiffany. What else? Kimberly. It's Tiffany. <laughs> oh, am I having a stroke? I don't smell toast. I must be fine. <laughs> Well, Mary, that actually, the plot point transitions so well to my, my second high art point. Do you mind oh, if I tell God, you? Oh, my God, please. This is the title, the, the one titled, He Does Now. <laughs> so, you know, Michael and Clint Kimberly are really kind of flirting hardcore. Mm -hmm. 
So after that exchange about the tattoos, we check in with them later during the show. And now they're eating lunch together on a bed, side by side. <laughs> which I found. Yeah. Uh, also, this is worth noting. Kimberly is drinking a Minute Maid juice <laughs> yeah, box. <she> <laughs> But did you notice they made sure her fingers were completely covering the first half of the word minute so they didn't have to block out the eye and make it minute made? Isn't that just the weirdest recurring? I don't understand that. Because they just bought a generic juice box. Like they made just like non-branded like, you know, dollar store juice boxes. I don't understand. You know, the other thing that I don't get about it, I mean, it's clearly Minute Maid. Oh, clearly. if you were alive in the 90s, you were familiar with what Minute Maid stuff was. It was always that all black thing with a picture of fruit and white text. That's what it looked like. And the the other piece, companies usually pay shows to take their product yeah. onto it. I don't think Melrose Place had a worry that Minute Maid would have sued them. <laughs> no, because the Minute Maid has not been used lasciviously at all. It's been very wholesome most of the time. People are in their product. Yeah. Unlike spinach salad, but we'll get to that. <laughs> so they're they're on bed together eating lunch. And I think we were supposed to catch on that they're they're growing more and more comfortable with each other. They're sitting very close together, almost like Billy and Allison watching a movie on the same couch cushion. Yeah. And Kimberly starts kind of getting getting a little vulnerable and she explains that she cried last night and she's really falling for a friend who she just she, under no circumstances, can she have him? And that's really getting her torn up. And Michael is being a good but stupid friend, right? <laughs> like, he, I, I don't think he's playing dumb. Maybe he was. I don't know. But he says, does he know how you feel? And he, ha- he puts his hand on her shoulder. And this is the moment that, that really jumped out to me. Because she puts her hand on his and looks into his eyes and says, he does Ooh. now. Then she adds, I'd love to spend the night with him, even just <laughs> once. Ooh. Okay, so the reason this made my high art point is this was, this was the, 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 the edge of the waterfall, right? There's no going back from this point. And she knew it as she was saying it. And Michael knew it as he, as he received it. But it struck me as so realistic, those flirtatious relationships uh, which for whatever reason, in this case, because Michael is married, but in any other reason that you really shouldn't, you both know you shouldn't be pursuing. So you're starting a little flirty and then stepping it up a little more. Soon you're eating bed, eating lunch together on a bed, right? But up until this exact moment, that plausible deniability, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? You know, you can you can try and move the object of your affection, affection into your apartment building, <laughs> You can go fix her pipes and offer to stick a meat in her broiler. <laughs> All of it up until this this moment right here where she says he does now and I'd like to fuck him. <laughs> they could have backed mm-hmm, off from it, mm-hmm. right? So that's the the high art point. That struck me as real. The like, the, just the, the moment of pause before she said it because she knew this is it. And she went for it. So I was proud of her for going for it. And I, I have a question for you later about if Kimberly is being in the wrong here but yeah but after this happened kimberly her manipulative side came out this is my interpretation Mm. because we we cut to later she's storming out of the parking lot michael is chasing after her she's she's storming away from michael 
and she's making him run after her. And I thought, you bitch, <laughs> you you did that. You jumped over the edge of the cliff, right? <laughs> and now you're making Michael feel bad that you did that, even though you knew what you were doing. And so she's, I feel like she manipulated him into pursuing her um and then michael did kiss her and she said don't start anything you can't finish dr mancini and and he said but i'm married and she drove away and i felt like you orchestrated all of this kimberly and she's now making michael feel like he did something wrong and i don't know that he did quite yet well he kind of did i mean once he kisses her yeah i mean yeah up until then maybe you could make a case but i mean even then he was definitely dancing up against the line of what was appropriate, like in terms of a relationship with a coworker. <laughs> like, uh, I did make a note. First of all, would, cause they're, they're not like full fledged doctors here yet. Right. They're sort of like in a training level. Forgive me. I don't know doctor terms. Would someone at their, at Kimberly's level in the hospital hierarchy have a parking lot right outside the Nope, 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 nope. The parking spot was unrealistic. And I second, noted it as well. I mean, so people know who Michael and Kimberly are, presumably, generally at this hospital. Like, maybe not everybody knows everybody because it's bigger than, like, a tiny little hospital. But they probably are aware. He, They just smooch right in front of the doors of the hospital, like, where anybody could see them. Like, at least, like, go behind a bush or something. Like, you, you, the likelihood of getting caught. Oh, my God. That's your- well, this one, this one made sense. It was spur of the moment. She was upset and he wanted to show her that her, her feelings weren't invalid, that he, he had them as well. So that, that like, that one made sense, although still unwise, <laughs> not recommended. And clearly, yes, Michael has been in the wrong as far as his relationship with Jane throughout all of these flirtations and perhaps from the workforce. But he has been pretty firm with Kimberly. Like, yes, he, he did return the flirting. I'll give you that. But anytime she kind of approached, like, do you want to stay for dinner with this meat and red wine? Do you want to work out or are you available for work beyond my pipes? He said, no, I have to. Of course, my wife is coming to dinner with us. Yes, I have to go back to my wife. So he's not been suggesting that he's available. No, he's not been rebuffing her flirtations, right? Like he didn't say, I don't want to talk about yeah. your ass tattoo. But, but. I don't think Kimberly had a right to be angry with him. And I don't think she was. No, I think you're probably right about that. I just, I would push back again and say he does keep, as you pointed out, finding any excuse to go spend time with Kimberly, whether it's working on her plumbing or whatever. He's been in previous scenes, like he has the day off and he goes into the hospital just because he knows Kimberly's working. So I do think he, while maybe not has directly flirted back with her, he's certainly been giving her some signals, whether whether fully conscious or not. I mean, like if you worked with someone and, and you knew with, with a fairly, it, it's been pretty clear for a while that she's into him. Like I think almost anybody would have picked up on that right now. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think it's wrong to be friends with someone, but he has, he sort of, every time she snaps her fingers, she, he's been going running and he's stopped short of like kissing her before now. But He's been he's been approaching the finish line for a while. <laughs> what well, he's been he's been rebuffing her advances, like her direct advances. Yeah, but he keeps going back and spending time like one on one outside of work with her too. I do think I, you're. I 
I think he's made it clear that he's willing to have a forever flirtatious relationship, a friendship that is clearly special and beyond that. But I don't think he's given her any indication that he'll sleep with her. I guess. I guess. I think, okay, that's fair. But I do think he's, I do think he's not like innocent completely in all of this. I, cause Cause he keeps going over there and he keeps lying to Jane to do it. Like he's been doing that for a while. Yeah. I think he does keep giving the signal cause she'll kind of push the boundary a little bit. Pushing boundaries is the title. She'll push the boundaries and then she'll see if that pushed him away yeah. and it didn't. Right. So he keeps saying, giving her the message of that's not too far. That's not too far. Um, but then she literally says to a married man, it's you. I want to do it. And when he doesn't jump, I mean, they're conveniently on a bed at that moment. And when he doesn't jump at it, she gets mad at him. And I don't think, I don't think she was, I don't no, think she I was right in that moment. I don't moment. think she was either, but I think it made sense. Like in the context of the show. And again, Kimberly runs hot as we will continue to learn. <laughs> well, those are, those are my first two points. We've made it again through a whole half episode and not talked about Amanda. I I think Amanda helped the show, but I don't think she alone saved the show. Well, I think maybe not yet, but I think like the ingredients are cooking there. I think, yeah, yeah. This this storyline, none of the storylines we've talked about so far. Ron and Matt, the the weird weird gay lawyer, Kimberly and Michael, Billy and Allison coming in, Amanda is just a step removed. Listen, she's fantastic. I love her. But I, I think the show was um, spicing up before she arrived. And, and she certainly added a lot of flavor to it. And I don't know that it would have gotten renewed without her based on everything we've read. But I, I think the show was moving in the right direction. I think direction. so too. I think at this point, we also haven't seen a plot line that's just about Amanda's experience. It's usually Amanda in relationship to Allison and or Billy changes yeah, as it evolves but no i think that i think you're right at this point i think it's i think it, a lot of the credit for the show heating up goes to her but i think like you've said in the past um kimberly is a huge factor and then sydney too when she really shows up like hard i mean yeah. it, that's when it gets really entertaining <laughs> these crazy redheads well mary i think we should take a break and uh, let's come back. Let's give Amanda yeah, Woodward a yeah. little airtime. <laughs> Poor thing. Are you feeling very naughty, very sexy, very free? Maybe you're in the middle of a torrid affair or just about to start a new one. Want the perfect permanent way to commemorate this very temporary mood you're in? Great news for the month of May. Stop by the new pop-up shop on the corner of Hollywood and Vine that everybody's talking about. Skin Deep. Skin Deep is Dr. Kimberly Shaw's newest business venture in the neighborhood. Her pop-up tattoo parlor is there for you. When you're ready to add a touch of flair to your body, somewhere between your shoulder and your ankle. You know that's where all your favorite places are. <laughs> Whether it's a rose, someone's name, or that timeless favorite, a butterfly... Dr. Kimberly Shaw's two-week rotation in dermatology has given her all the skills she needs to ink you up. For an additional fee, Dr. Shaw will also consider special requests for Tweety Bird, a Tasmanian Devil, a Chinese character you're not really sure about the meaning of, tattoo anchors on your forearm like Popeye, and hearts that say mother in the middle. But she will remind you that she's a doctor, not an artist, so it's best if you bring something she can trace. That's Skin Deep on the corner of Hollywood and Vine for the month of May, 
look for a coupon for $5 off in the Melrose Penny Saver. Gosh, it doesn't even feel like May. No, it really doesn't. This, this is great. I'm, I'm going to definitely look at the Penny Saver, which I believe is canceled, but it, it sounds like it has come back. There might, you, you can probably find an old issue somewhere. Like, okay, in a so an old issue with a pre-printed coupon. Yeah. Great. Is there any guarantee um, or like a warranty if my tattoo is mutilated by a doctor doing an emergency appendectomy? Dr. Shaw cannot guarantee that, but she is a surgeon. So maybe if you bring it in, I'd show it to her. She can put the letters back where they were. So what if I have to have a surgery and it's going to ruin my tattoos? Could I, instead of, could I just go to Dr. Shaw and say, can you surgery around this tattoo? Would she do that special surgery? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it depends on what kind of surgery you need. Like if you need it, I mean, there's only so much she can move, you know, it depends on what's broken inside. That you need. <laughs> oh, yeah. But everything's broken inside, Mary. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm sure, I mean, she's nothing if not a qualified professional on all fronts. So I'm sure she'd be happy to be reasonable and work with you. Good. And this is on Hollywood and Vine? Yeah, it's on the corner. Skin deep. Skin deep. For It's a pop-up for the month of May. What is, is she not on rotations in May? I mean, just stop by and see when it's open. It's a pop-up. <laughs> Right? That's how that works. Okay, great. <laughs> I listen. It, <clears throat> I'm definitely gonna go get shooters tattooed on my arm. Oh my god, I'm gonna get it right on my face. <laughs> so I never forget where I need to go spend all my free time. And I think on my on my other arm, I'm gonna get Amanda loves Billy. I don't know what could go wrong. Really, Billy loves anyone. That's going to go wrong. Um, what else would I get tattooed from her? I guess I would probably get, um, well, probably the Rhonda's Culinary Funk logo, just because it's such a great organization. Um, oh, Bikini Burger. I, you could get that tattooed on you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the possibilities are endless. You know what I think Kimberly should offer is for characters in Marvel's Place, once they get engaged... Due to the the permanency of that, she should tattoo engagement rings on their fingers. Yeah, I think it would help remind some of them that they are in a relationship with someone else. (laughs) They seem to have a hard time remembering. (laughs) Do do you think Kimberly would tattoo Michael's finger for him? Oh, I think, yeah, whether he likes it or not. Yeah. (laughs) He's getting at least one tattoo, if not multiple. Listen, (laughs) you never expect. In the 90s, my father got a Tasmanian devil tattoo on his arm over my mother's objection, and I still hear about it from time to time. <laughs> Your father but, is a very nice man, but he made a choice. <laughs> he did, because let me tell you what is not looking too hot right now. <laughs> that Tasmanian devil tattoo. At least the Tasmanian devil hasn't been canceled. A lot of those Looney Tunes characters are going the way of the dodo. Oh, God, that's true. Is May I ask, was there a reason he selected the Tasmanian devil? Like, oh, he admires <laughs> Mary, he went through a phase. I, I can't, I can't say it on the air. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine my dad getting a tattoo. It would be, it would be like a calculator, <laughs> an abacus or something. He'd, he'd tattoo some system that he can then add to with like a pen to kind of record the prices of peanuts. <laughs> That's exactly what he would do. <laughs> 
you need me to cut that, let me know. No, he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Glad we have his support, Mary. And we are back for the second half of season one, episode 28 of the Melrose Placecast. We are discussing pushing boundaries. I'm Tej. I'm Mary. And let's get right back into it, Mary. Did you have another trashy point? Yes, I do. I want to talk about Cameron. Oh my God, I love Cameron. <laughs> I wish he would stay forever. But he's not. Cam- Billy's gay boss. Oh, okay, sweet Cameron. So, Billy, uh, last episode, got a job by lying on his resume at Escapade magazine. And he had said he went to Columbia uh, for a journalism degree. And he. Unfortunately, found out that his new coworker Cameron actually went to Columbia and starts asking him questions. So, which Billy couldn't answer correctly. So, at the start of this episode, we see Billy get to work and Cameron comes up and he says, You know, I called Columbia the other day to see if I could get copies of those articles you said you wrote for the school paper, but gee, they just they couldn't find a single one. <laughs> and Billy, being Billy, he just dumbly smiles. He goes, Oh, you're kidding. That's so strange. Oh, you know what? I must have used William instead of Billy in my byline, which clearly is bo- like you would know what you used in your byline if you had had one. And also, Cam- how much time did he think that live was going to buy him? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Cameron plays it perfectly and he's very cheerful and smiley and he answers back and goes, Oh, no, no, no. I had them check William too, along with Bill, Billy, Willie, Will, even Wilhelm. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I love you, Cameron. And Cameron. <laughs> Calls about Cameron goes, you lied on your resume and you thought no one around here would be smart enough to figure it out. Billy tells Cameron, well, you're really smart, but no one hired you to fact check my life. Ooh, what a zinger. Cameron answers back even more. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, Billy. Call me a zealot. I have a fanatical regard for the truth. That's why I chose this field and I won't see it corrupted by the likes of you. Which was very melodramatic and used way too many words. Billy is like, well, why don't you do something about it? And right then the speakerphone comes on and it's Nancy summoning him to her office. And camera goes, I already have. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, This was a delightful, satisfying little soap opera scene. Uh, I was hoping, I had forgotten, but I was hoping that Cameron would get his day because he should, because Billy lied and Billy was wrong to lie. Uh... But again, building out a discussion last week about terrible bosses and bad HR departments, Nancy's reaction to find out that Billy is full of shit is to give him a promotion. <laughs> yeah. What? yeah. And that must really make Cameron hate everyone even more than he already did. And last but not least, I wrote, I wish we would see more of Cameron. Why can't they get him to go out with Matt? <laughs> oh. Anyway, bless Cameron. Bless his little heart. It, it did. It was so odd that she gave him a promotion. Yes, <laughs> he doesn't deserve a promotion. He's done nothing, nothing to show that he can even write really at this point because he's just been fact checking. He literally has no pieces because he never wrote for anything other than the penny saver. So I mean, it's clearly just because she wants to get in his pants. And I'm like, where is the HR department at Escapade Magazine? Cameron, report these people. I, I just don't understand what Billy thinks is happening. Right? Like, how dumb is Billy? How dumb is this man? Like, oh my god. <sighs> I don't know. Columbia was a big school. No, it isn't. <laughs> oh, Cameron. I, I can't remember. 
I feel like we don't really get to see Cameron again after this in my memory, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't remember him either. He certainly doesn't come back for next season. But do you remember they went to celebrate? Um, was it Billy's promotion or was it an article being published? I think it's his promotion, right? They all go. I think. Yeah, I think so. So just picking up a little bit because that I, something I noted. So he gets called into Nancy's office. She says plainly, nothing is more important to me than trust. Um, and abs, I think, was the unstated part. But trust and abs <laughs> are equally important to Nancy. But he gets promoted. And then she looks at him again with her kind of sexy eyes. And she says, the first time is a rush, isn't it? And again, like, it's blaring. Like, may as well have had Kimberly deliver that line. It was very, very apparent to the viewer what was happening. <laughs> but Billy calls Allison at work. And they all, they're all of Melrose Place is going to the Bangkok Princess <laughs> to celebrate Billy's promotion. I, I don't know that we would title restaurants that way anymore, but that's a just for a whole nother day. <laughs> but I was so impressed with Amanda because Allison is saying, Oh, you got promoted, Billy. That's fantastic. Yes, let's all go to the Bangkok Princess at seven to celebrate. <laughs> And so Amanda makes note of this because Amanda Woodward is still scheming to get back with Billy. Yeah. I don't understand. No one understands. It makes no sense. Anyway, she, she happens to show up for takeout just to, just to mess with Allison a little bit more because Amanda keeps insinuating that her and Billy are, are seeing each other and that Billy's lying to her about it. <laughs> and they keep talking about Allison being back with Billy. They were never dating. What the hell? No, they lived together. They've shared an apartment. But yeah, the way they phrase it is dumb and ambiguous and stupid. I almost wonder if there was a turnover of the writing staff, like get half of them out of here and bring in some new people who were like, you know what? I know Billy and Allison never dated, but they should have. You should have done that in episode four. So we're just going to pretend you did. (laughs) No one will remember. (laughs) It's fine. All right. Well, my, my final high art point is titled, what happens when you get married? And I, Mary, listen, when that line was read on screen and it wasn't delivered, it was read because Billy said it. I just, I knew, I paused it. I knew because I was like, this is, this is it. This is my moment. So here's what happened. Billy and Michael, and I believe Jake, the guys are out. So not Matt. And they're talking about um, giving, they're giving Billy a hard time for not getting with Amanda. Yeah. And essentially saying, like, look, if you got a chance to be with Heather Locklear, why the hell are you coming back to have popcorn with Allison? Which is offensive to me because I really enjoy Allison. She's one of my favorite characters, although I'd be hard pressed to justify that position right now. She just is. <laughs> the heart wants what it wants. <laughs> yeah. And so we get some advice from Michael, which Dear listeners, never take advice from Michael Mancini. No. On anything. No. Whether it's how to handle your marriage, how to handle your mistress, how to handle your mistress's little sister when you throw her off a cliff, any of that. Don't take advice from him. To be honest, if you go to him with cancer, he's not an oncologist. Don't take advice there either. No, he should not be treating your cancer. That like, You'll understand in a later season why we're bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. None of this should be happening. But Michael gives some advice to Billy, which clearly starts to signal to Billy and Jake that something's up. Michael says, take it from me. Just follow your libido while you can. (laughs) And, you know, insinuating that, you know, once you're married, you're it's the old trope. Once you're married, the fun stops. Right. Game over. Which is true. (laughs) Don't do it, people. Anyway. 
Billy says, what happened? Why? What happens when you're married? And Michael says, nothing. You're still attracted to women. And I was like, she, what you, you shouldn't just be saying that so, so plainly, but this is before Michael uh, kissed Kimberly, but it's, it's clear to him that he has feelings for Kimberly. And what he's saying is that from his perspective, um, just, just the, the act of getting married doesn't change your attraction to other people. And I, I found Michael's take Re- much more realistically honest than the way America talks about marriage generally, right? Like mm-hmm. the way we talk about it is it's this life-changing moment and the, the commitment just comes naturally because you're so in love with the other person. When in reality, right? Like the commitment is significant because it's not an easy thing to do because it is counter to uh, human evolution. <laughs> also, marriage sucks. It's an institution designed to take your individuality and flush it down the toilet and make sure it never gets seen from or heard from again. Don't do it. I did. I, I like. I'm, it's a neutral stance I have. Yeah, yeah. I liked at the end of Michael's speech about, well, you can be attracted to a woman. It, it, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong, does it? And Billy asks, well, is this all hypothetical? And <laughs> in New York's acting like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just conversation. <laughs> yeah, you don't look guilty at all, Michael. No, this doesn't look like something's going on. <laughs> And I like the subsequent scene later in bed when Jake brings it up to Joe, like he felt like Michael was fishing for permission to talk to someone. Uh-huh. And Joe brings up, well, you know, it, you and I were like lovers way before we were having sex. Like, <laughs> like, just because you're not like physically doing anything doesn't mean that you're not doing anything wrong. And I, like, that's a valid point. Like, but I liked it. I thought it was a, a fun conversation. You know, it's interesting. Again, one of our fellow podcasters with about a similar level of influence is Dan Savage. And um, he always, there's this idea in pop culture that cheating is cheating, whether it's physical or emotional, right? Which is what Joe is saying, that you can can cross the line well before you even cross the line. Um, Which I think going back to the waterfall analysis, like, yes, there's a point where the water falls over the edge, but there's a point before that where the water is going too fast. You couldn't stop it if you were on top of it, right? Like you would, you would go over too. And that's what Joe was saying. But Dan Savage always talks about that, you know, as a society, we define cheating as a um, extinction level event for relationships. And then we define everything imaginable as cheating whether it's having sex with someone kissing someone holding hands with someone having feelings for someone being attracted to someone sending floating messages with someone all of that counts as cheating and all of it is equally as bad and what dan savage says is we need to we need to be a little more nuanced but that is not the american way <laughs> Jesus. Uh, also marriage sucks yeah you've made that clear. do not recommend do not recommend yeah, zero stars from you that's zero zero would not, would not return. <laughs> Remove from cart. <laughs> uh, I would I would argue that I would I would agree somewhat with Mr. Savage's interpretation of that. I guess where I would look at it is maybe the way to think of cheating is what counts to your partner as cheating. That's mm-hmm. that's the person who's going to have the the say in whether or not they feel cheated on. So maybe that's just a conversation people, more people need to have when they're in a relationship and say like, just talk about where those lines are. Cause maybe that would save some people some trouble later on. It certainly would. And in America, like our culture is set up the, the, the way Dan Savage describes it again. Sure. Um, we should have him sponsor this podcast, by the way, but the, the, the way our society, um, 
sets it up monogamy as the default setting, the assumed position. And because of that, there's never a discussion about what does monogamy mean to us because we all seem to have a shared understanding. So would Michael having a very flirtatious years long friendship with Kimberly be described as cheating to Jane? Probably. I think so. Right. Um, but I could also see a scenario where it wouldn't be or where Michael wouldn't think it was right. Where Michael wouldn't think he crossed the line until he kissed Kimberly. And even then he probably justified it by Jane kissing Sammy last week. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think you're bringing up a valid point. I, I do think it, it's down on the, the people involved in the relationship to do what yeah. is okay and what's not okay. And, and do you know what's not okay? Hmm. The institution Thank of marriage. You. Yes, thank you for clarifying your stance on that issue. <laughs> All right, go ahead with the final point. <laughs> oh, we're not going to talk about marriage anymore. Yay. Uh, we're going to talk about Billy. And I called this one, Billy hears a woman say, that's so good. Don't ever stop to him for the first time, but for all the wrong reasons. Uh, (laughs) What? Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Billy got his promotion, and he's working very closely with Nancy. And one night after work, she says, let's go back to the office later. I want to review the draft of your article about the dog wedding. (laughs) Because apparently that needs some reviewing. Uh, so they meet back after she's gone to dinner and after he had run home to change his shirt, because that's normal. And they sit on her couch together side by side at the office to review the notes. And, oh, Nancy, she starts rubbing her neck because, oh, God, she's just so tense. It's been such a long day. Would he mind giving her a little neck rub? That's that's red flag number one, Billy, just <laughs> so you know. But he does because he's Billy and he's an idiot. And then she starts making these satisfied grunting sounds like, Oh, that's so good. Don't ever stop. I'm like, okay, this is red flag number two. Like, you should now be mm-hmm. cautious. But he's not. He keeps going. And then she turns around and tries to kiss him. And finally, he realizes what's going on. He stops her before she can kiss her. And she smiles. And she's like, what's the matter? Can't stand a little attention. And Billy says, okay. Like, now I figured it out. I got to go. And she gets mad. She goes, well, great. After all I've done for you. Come off your high horse, Billy. I found you attractive. Forgive me. <laughs> Which is a great line. And he's like, just forget it. Let's forget it ever happened. But she's not done with it. She's like, okay, let's forget it. And why don't we just forget about your promotion too? And there's dramatic guitar licks and the scene is over. Uh, The timeline of all of this does seem a little fast to me because hasn't he only been working there for like a couple of days? Yeah. Maybe a week. It doesn't seem long. And because I'm kind of comparing it to the parallel timeline of Allison going back to D&D because they're sort of that's kind of when they both went to their jobs. Would a boss like even a sexual predator kind of boss, would they really dive in that fast without knowing this person at all? Like she doesn't really know Billy. She doesn't know if he's going to be the type who tries to escalate this into a legal matter or what. Uh, I did appreciate So later there's another scene where they kind of resolve it. And the show acknowledges that this is clearly a play on the old boss hitting on the staff at work thing. Nancy literally mentions how it's happened to her when she was working her way up the ladder and how she wanted to, quote, turn the tables, which is a little dark. And I guess it's refreshing that they had a woman be a jerk and a man be a victim. Is refreshing the right word? I don't know. Uh, and I also applaud the show for showing us two terrible female bosses in a row, Lucy last week and Nancy this week. And they're really letting women be in charge. And they're also letting them be terrible, just like the men are. And that's what I call equality. They were pushing boundaries. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> she practices these speeches at <laughs> night, um, which I thoroughly offended by that quote, by the way. I, I don't want to 
even though I just said it, I, I, I don't want to imply that I'm with it. Okay, so let me ask you a yeah. question, Mary. So we have a sexual harassment situation yeah. going on. Uh, Nancy, the, the boss, is clearly using her position of power to to make Billy feel, not, not to make him feel. She, she fired him when he wouldn't have sex yeah. with her, right? So if this were to have gone to a legal issue, clearly there's a victim. Like, we saw what actually happened. Yeah. Are you uh, standing by your I believe all women <laughs> phrase? Well, I'll believe her if she tells the truth. Because <laughs> I know what she did. But if she and says, yeah, I was a dick, then I'll believe her. <laughs> okay, fine. It was, um, it, this was a, maybe it wasn't tired at the time. But this was a, Washington now in 2021. I was like, Let, can we just let's speed through this? Come on. Yeah, we all see what's happening. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a really good point because it's so transparent from from the day he got there in the last episode. Apparently he's worked there two days uh, and he, you know, clearly was faking the whole flower delivery thing. She's clearly checking him out immediately. We all knew where this was going. So, I, you know, what? I'm grateful that at least they didn't drag it out very long. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> oh, God. Escapade in more ways than one. Well, we haven't talked about Amanda Woodward's storyline at all. No, we haven't. Should we Should we hit it just in case anyone didn't watch the show? I don't know. Do we... I mean, we're not a recap podcast. <laughs> I mean, what is the storyline? She's just trying to get Billy back. I mean, that's really... So she's she is being just awful oh, to Allison. She keeps sending Allison's work back, and she is playing mind games with Allison, trying to convince her that her and Billy actually are <laughs> seeing each other because she knows Allison's insecurities are. Oh yeah, her. yeah. She plays her like a fiddle. <laughs> I did really enjoy. I wrote down at the beginning of the episode. Amanda catches up with Allison. They're walking into D and D one morning, and she asks to see some account update Allison was working on overnight. Allison hands it to her. Amanda literally looked at it. I clocked it for three seconds, and then starts scolding her. When I ask for an update, I expect a detailed analysis. This is ship shot work. <laughs> you literally looked for three seconds. How do you know? You didn't have time to read it. Seems like it was longer than Allison looked oh, at it. I didn't expect you to slam it. Good job. Listen, I'm looking for the good in Amanda. <laughs> well, Mary, did you have any other highlights that you wanted I to point out? I had a couple out? of little things. Uh, Billy gets his first story assignment, and it's a dog wedding. There are two yeah. Indians that yeah. met at a party, and their names are Jaja and Sebastian. And Jaja's pregnant. So that's the important story that his alleged journalism degree, he's gotten this hot story. Uh, I enjoyed Jake toasting Billy when they all went out to dinner to Billy Campbell out of the taxi cab and behind a computer. Let's hope he can pay his rent. Uh, Amanda, again, being a bitch to Allison, said, I don't mean to be harsh, but your work is still not up to the level it was before you went chasing your boyfriend all over the country. Uh, oh, Amanda's so good. She's so good. So good. Uh, Matt, when he was out on his bad date with Scott, and as you mentioned, Scott told him, well, you should start your own private practice for all those rich kids in Beverly Hills. And I was like, this would have been a great spinoff. They could have brought him down to shooters and got with Kelly and the ones drinking chocolate milk. Perfect. Or they could have jumped Matt over to Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, yeah. Maybe he would have gotten more airtime over there. Would have been interesting to see how he handled teenagers who found themselves in a relationship with someone in their <laughs> mid-20s. 
that's a good point. Uh, oh, so Amanda asks Allison how Billy's doing, and Allison tells her that he got a promotion. And Amanda replies, I guess my encouragement finally paid off. All he needed was a proper push. Not that I'm one to take credit. <laughs> and lastly, I was looking at the episode description on Hulu. And it reads, Billy is perusing the Columbia University catalog, familiarizing himself with the names of professors in journalism courses in case his superior, who's a Columbia alum, asks specific questions. No, he didn't. He never did. Yeah, that didn't happen. That, that didn't happen. happen. Cut out before, before they got it to TV Guide. But it made me laugh. I think that's all. Did you have anything else? Mary, my goodness. Yes, if of I can course, just say one more thing. So Michael calls and goes and fucks Kimberly. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so that's that's how that's the cliffhanger this episode ended on. Michael after the after he kisses Kimberly and she's mad because she says, Don't start something yeah. you can't finish. And he he just can't stop thinking about Kimberly. He lies to Jane. They apparently forgot about Sam. Michael and Jane are fine now in Jane from Jane's perspective. I forgot about Sam. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, Michael. Michael finally calls. He lies and calls Kimberly, and he goes to see her. And I just wrote in all caps, "Go, Michael!" I'm out right now. Look, I'm on Team Michael right now. But Kimberly, we see before Michael arrives. She has laid out a perfect place setting, table setting. It looks fancy. She's got a spinach salad there. It looks like spinach and strawberries with a nice balsamic vinaigrette. Oh my gosh, it looks great. She's clearly stressed about this. And Michael comes in and they're 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 face acting. They're saying it all with their eyes. And then they just can't hold back. And Michael moves in and they they are kissing and then they're leaning back and then on the table and clear as day. Kimberly's body is in the salad. <laughs> like explicitly, I, I think they zoomed in on it to make it clear that the passion, they just could, they couldn't even hold the passion a moment to say, let's move to the bedroom or even the couch or fuck it, the floor. Nothing. Just right here. Right on, on that salad. salad. It's probably stuck right to her butterfly tattoo. Reminds me, Mary, can I tell you one of my most embarrassing yes, uncle please. moments? Okay, so my family, we, for several years now, probably five or six years, we've, we've done a camping trip. And a couple years ago, the phrase right in front of my salad was popularized. <laughs> and, and I didn't know why. Oh, God. So I was whipping it out and using it everywhere. No. I <laughs> so I was, it was popularized and I didn't know why. And I was using it all the time. And after a couple of days, uh, and, and now all the kids, all of them, all of them are, that's kind of the, the joke of the week, right? And then I looked up on a phone where it came from. And Mary, for anyone who doesn't know, it was from an adult movie. <laughs> a, a very bulky boyfriend uh, who made a salad for his girlfriend. And he's wearing an apron and nothing else. And then, uh, another gentleman friend comes into the kitchen and uh, begins to enjoy his body, the other guy's body, while the girlfriend is eating her salad. And she starts to get suspicious and she stands up and leans over and then sits back down and throws her fork up and she's like, really? Right in front of my salad? <laughs> and I had to, once I realized where that phrase came from, I was like, how do you, how do you claw this one back? It's ah. that, that's out of the box. It's like... <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, yes, Kimberly and Michael, they they finally move beyond the flirtatious stage and they are outright having an affair. And that is how we end was just three more episodes to go in this season. Four more oh, episodes to go in this real. season. How many more? Four. 29, 32, 32, 32. was the last one. Oh, God. <laughs> I had no reason. I never looked. I just thought 30. <laughs> oh, my yep. God. So. Well, Mary, I think we should come back next week. Next week looks just as it, good. It is getting better and better, relatively speaking, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Mary, I should tell you, we have another five-star rating Do on the really? podcast. Yeah, there's no comments, and I just clicked five stars, oh, so that's well, where we got Well, at least, from. you know, it's not hurting anything, so. Listen, it would have been problematic if I gave us two stars. <laughs> I can't argue with that. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. We're vaccinated. I can go grocery shopping again. No, you can't. It's not safe yet. You are still going to need a meal kit delivery service. And when we talk about them, we never really pay too much attention to the business model. If you're going to sign on to a meal kit delivery service, you're going to want one that's here to stay. That's going to last beyond the next four episodes. (laughs) That's why this week, a new sponsor... Kimberly's Kitchen Creations. Oh, Creations with a K. (laughs) It works just like every meal kit delivery service, but a little more fancy, a little more upscale. Mary, would you like to hear what comes in the box this week? I guess. (laughs) Anyone who subscribes with promo code, we have a special promo code, and it's just the first letter of each word of Kimberly's Kitchen Creations. So that's K. That's K. Oh, Oh dear. No promo code. There's no <laughs> promo code. Never mind that. So, but our listeners that sign up for Kimberly's Kitchen Creations, we send one four course meal per week. So you're going to have a fancy dinner every every week. And this week, we have a spinach and strawberry salad with toasted arugula mixed in, and it's sealed with just a just a hint of mandarin. Oh, Mary, let me tell you, it is divine it's going to come with some toasted bread infused into it is some freshly churned butter with just a just a scent of garlic and aside from the main course you're also going to get corn on the cob now mary that doesn't sound fancy does it no it doesn't but let me tell you kimberly's kitchen creations has an exclusive deal with the corn man (laughs) would you would you care to tell our listeners just briefly about Corn Man? There is a man who comes to the town I live in who is called the Corn Man. And people will line up for two blocks to go get corn. And in case anyone from town hears this, I have to say it's the best corn in the world. <laughs> you have to say that. But I'm here as someone who escaped that town to say, no, it's not. You can't tell the difference. But <laughs> one year, one of the rival corn people... <laughs> Because they, they showed up first, started a false rumor that the corn man died. <laughs> you weren't going to get corn man corn. But I went to dinner parties where they were literally like, yes, that's corn chowder made with corn man corn. And that, that elevates it. That's what you're going to get from Kimberly's Kitchen Creations. <laughs> As an added bonus, you get etiquette tips, Mary. Oh, my. 
So you're going to learn not just how to make this delicious meal, you're going to learn how to set the table so that it looks so fancy. So you're going to get your box, you're going to set the place up so right, and you're going to welcome your dinner guest. And it, what you should do is then invite him to sit down in his in his chair. You oh, nope, you're not going to want to make out with him. Nope. Oh, oh, you're laying down on the table. Okay. Oh, okay. But you shouldn't put ass on salad. That's oh god, that's not the way. The, the, the toast is not a loincloth. Okay, this is this is not going according to plan. Oh, the corn on the cob is a mistake. Wow. Well, you know, I'm thrilled that we have a new sponsor. Uh, I, I won't lie. I, I have some mixed feelings about this, but uh, but it certainly sounds like a classy operation. Well, it was, Mary, until, until people laid down naked on the salad. <laughs> We're going to rethink some things. Uh, can I tell you something more about the corn man? <laughs> oh, God, please do. So the other, the rival corn person said that the corn man died, and the newspaper here in town published a story letting us all know no he's alive it's fine that was just a rumor (laughs) it's so weird because they'll pull up with two trucks of corn and there'll be a line literally 50 people deep for corn man corn and the other people are sitting outside true value (laughs) just like we got tomatoes too anyone (laughs) no waiting no waiting on aisle three uh it was funny well funny sad this past summer uh there was a pandemic last year if you weren't aware and people, <laughs> I remember my parents wanted to get corn man corn, but they didn't want to stop because not everybody in line was wearing a mask properly. And they were sad. <laughs> like, just go get some corn from the other guy. There's no line. Yeah. Yeah. No, no risk of running into people there. <laughs> I just, they, everybody believed corn man was dead. They really did. Like, yeah, he finally, he started his own Facebook page then so he could post updates proving he was alive. That's just the style of... Isn't that just what his children would want you to think? Oh, I mean, but I've, he, I've seen him since like, in town when he comes with the corn. So, so wait, seriously, how, how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the, re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far, okay. but there's also, but then Mary, there's the the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God, how long? Yeah, and and uh, Models Inc has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc? It, it's a two season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, do? of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think 90210, to get to understand where this show came from, is probably worth exploring. I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Allie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how, do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. <laughs> oh, God.